I can do it. Literally anybody can do it. Like I am nothing special. I am just creating stuff on my iPhone. Like this is not anything crazy. It doesn't have to be crazy. Like you can do it too. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Cypress Room. I am Christina Mascari. And I'm Maggie Honeycutt. And this is our podcast where we dive deep on influencing with integrity. And we have, we say this every time, but we have a really exciting episode for you today because we are doing our first remote yes. interview. Hopefully the first of many. The first of many. So, Maggie, why don't you tell everybody who we're going to be interviewing today? Well, today I'm so excited that we have Lily Skoldal with us, better known as the Furniture Doctor. So Lily has a really fun story. She started flipping furniture in 2021 as a side hustle to pay off an unexpected dental bill that totaled over 10 grand. Oh my gosh, that is so crazy. I can't wait to hear about that. She quickly developed a passion for turning discarded pieces into treasures and experienced so much success on her social channel, she decided to go full-time in 2022. Since then, she has been busy flipping furniture and growing her business and income streams via multiple channels. She has worked with major brands, including TikTok, Valspar, Heart Tools, Dremel, Verathane, Egos, Lovesack, and more. Ooh, I'm she, jealous about Egos. I know. I, I thought that was really excited to hear that. She currently lives in Wichita Falls, Texas with her fiance and three dogs. So welcome, Lily. Thank you. Hi. <laughs> We're so glad you're here. That is quite the bio for a 27-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and in just two years, I think that is really exciting that your hard work, you've just experienced such an acceleration um, over your business in just two years. So I'm excited to find out more and kind of dive deep into your journey and uh, hear your story. Yeah. yeah and yeah, of course. And we I want to start off, you know, obviously telling everybody your story, but I kind of want to hook them a little bit at the beginning. So the first question I have for you is because this is the reason that I reached out and interviewed you because you recently did a long format video on YouTube about your whole journey um, and your story and everything. And the thing that stuck out the most to me is, you know, you were doing create content creation part time as well as working a full time job. And so what I want you to share before we start even talking about who you are and how you got here is what you were making uh, in that year when you left that full-time job and what has been your best month as a content creator income-wise. Sure. So I was making about $45,000 a year in my job, and that's with a master's degree. Um, my highest uh, my highest paying month so far was this past November. So last month at $37,000. Wow. And then, yeah. And today as of like mid December, I'm at $32,000 for December. So, oh my gosh. So you're going to have a back to back months like that. Yeah. It's incredible. It's been wild. That is wild and so encouraging. So I hope that that just hooked people to stay for this whole interview because not only is your content awesome and what you've done, but I think you just have a cool story and you're an awesome person. So you guys stick around for this whole interview so you can learn everything that Lily has done, who she is. And of course, stay around till the end because we're going to do our segment where we talk about our favorite things. And we're going to include Lily in this. And she has one of her favorite things, one of her hacks to share with you guys. Um, about a service that she loves. So stick around for that. All right. Well, let's get into it. Um, so tell those who maybe don't know the background of your story exactly how you jumped into the world of content creation. 
I mean, you were already working a full-time job. How did you end up becoming a content creator? What was that journey? So it was definitely an accident, um, <laughs> crazy enough. I guess, so I started selling the furniture as kind of like a side hustle to pay off this bill. Like that's all it was. Um, I was working nine to five, Monday through Friday. I'd go home. I would work from like five to eight in the evening. I sacrificed all my weekends just to flip furniture. And I just kind of like, it's a lot of physical labor. If you've done it, if you've done any sort of DIY projects, like, you know, it's a ton of physical labor. It's exhausting. And so I kind of thought to myself, like, how can I squeeze this lemon and get the most lemonade out of it? So I started thinking and I'm like, let me make a social media profile. Maybe that I can post my work and get more customers. Like that's kind of how it started out. And then from there, it was like, well, I started to get like a, maybe like 2000 followers. I think I was like stoked about. And then I was like, well, I'm filming this content. Maybe I could turn it into something more. Maybe I could turn it into a tutorial and make a blog post and tag affiliate links. And so it started off like that. And then August of 2022, I made an About Me video, and that's what went viral. I went from, I think, 2,000 followers to 115,000, basically within two weeks. Wow. And yeah, I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is nuts. I remember hitting like the first 10,000. I was like, sick. Like, I am set. <laughs> I'm an influencer. And then it hit 50,000, and it kept going and going. And I, I was like, now what do I do? I have to run with it. Like. I see people, you see people on social media making all this money. And I'm like, well, now I have the follower count. It's authentic followers. So what can I do with it? So let me turn this into more lemonade. And so I think I really just sat down and I was like, I'm going to fake it till I make it. Like brands don't know that I have to, that I gained all of this following within two weeks. They don't need to know that. Why does that matter? I have the follower count. I have the engagement. So I started Googling and YouTubing and just seeing what other creators did. I made a media kit. I started like emailing brands. I had no idea what I was saying. I remember one brand came up to me. They're like, oh, yeah, we're interested. Like, what's like, what's your rate? And I said, $13,000. I don't know where I got that number from. <laughs> That's aggressive. <laughs> I like it. And they left me on red. They never answered. <laughs> But um, I, I was just like, you know, I'm going to go for it. Like, why not? And I landed my first brand deal. That was a s September. And so a little over a year ago. And Oh, wow. Yeah, it's been wild. And it was $800. They were safety goggles. And I was so excited. I was so stoked about it. I made the video. And then I was like, wow, I was paid $800 to put goggles on. I included my dog in the video thought it was really cute and I was like that's crazy that's what I make in one week and I got to do it in a few hours with my dog I had so much fun like how can I do more and I just researched and just how can I make as many streams of income as possible and I just kept going and fake it till I make it I still still feel like that some some sometimes and some days but yeah yeah this is what I love about you because, and I'm not knocking the, the older generation like me, but I am quite older than you. I'm about 20 years older than you. And I love that you already had that intuition of like, well, let me make content. And once you saw the value in your content, you're like, I could charge for this. 
because I know so many people who have been doing what I do for like 10, five years and still don't feel like they can ask brands for money or still don't feel like they can ask money for their content. And I love that you just came out of the gate and you're like, wait, I know that this has value and I see other people doing this. And you just went and did it and you told someone, pay me $13,000. What's the worst kit that can happen? They, they ghosted you, yeah. but you knew like, okay, I can ask for money. And asking, you know, for 800 out of the gate for your first piece of content is still bold because there's a lot of people that are afraid to ask, you know, in our industry, that's very niche that are, they think, oh, I get free paint. Oh, I got a free paintbrush. Oh, I got to be on this podcast. Oh, I got offered this affiliate code. That's enough. And it's like, no, that is not enough. Yeah, It costs companies a lot of money to create that content. So I love that you're out here just being like, no, you know, right from the gate, you didn't have to take five years to be like, oh, my content is my content worth something. So I feel like you are an example to people who are maybe stuck in that older set mindset of, you know, my content's not valuable. I'll just take this. This is what I've been getting the whole time. Um, so I love that you just went out there without any, you know, all you need is Google and YouTube, right? To make this work. Yeah. Google University. <laughs> yeah. That's where I wanted to kind of back up and tell people, did you have experience in video creation or social media marketing? Or did you truly just say, nothing's too hard. I've got this. I'm going to figure it out. Because I think that step sometimes can intimidate people. Oh, I've never created a video before. I don't even, I'm not active on social media. And so tell us kind of how that, how you learned that process. Yes, I have no background in that prior to this. I worked in sports medicine and public health. So I was completely not on any sort of social media or marketing side of things. I would say I've always had like a knack for picking things up quickly and, and having like a visual aesthetic and like being able to follow that and create things. So I think that helps. But I mean, you watch enough videos and see what other people do. You can really pick it up. I say like, if I can do it, anybody can do it. I mean, Instagram nowadays makes, um, they have the templates for you. CapCut has templates. So Really, all you have to do now is just click what videos you want to include, and it'll make the video for you. So, I mean, there's really no excuse not to. If you have an iPhone, you have Wi-Fi, and you're doing the work, you might as well film it because the doors that it can open is crazy. Yeah. Love it. Sure. Love it. <laughs> yes. So tell us about the platforms you're on and kind of... Where did you start and where are you at now? And is there one that you enjoy the most that you focus on primarily and just kind of repurpose your content for everything else? What is kind of your strategy as far as social platforms go? So I'm primarily on Instagram. That's my biggest platform. Um, I recently hit 250,000, which my goal was. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> 250 was my goal for the year. So I just, I just, uh, no, 200 was my goal for the year. So I surpassed that. Very happy. Um, I am on TikTok. I am on uh, YouTube and Pinterest and Facebook. Um, I primarily pr create my content for Instagram and I do repost it to um, TikTok, Instagram, all of those. I mean, uh, YouTube. I repost all of the other apps. Um, Brand deals, I'm extremely selective in who I work with. 
to post Instagram reels. Um, I feel that that's like, I feel I have to be super selective because if it damages my analytics enough, it's not worth the pay. Um, if I post something that's like so out of my niche, um, whereas TikTok and YouTube shorts, I'm a little bit more flexible in who I work with and my rates are significantly less as well. But yeah, I'm trying to work more on the YouTube long form. You've just got my it's a hard road. <laughs> yes. It's a hard road, especially when you start short form. That's something that we talk about a lot. And, you know, I'm obviously a YouTube dinosaur. So I pushed YouTube on people for so long because of that great passive income that I've had success in. But now that I have had success on those short form, you know, on Instagram and and TikTok, it's easier to make that cut. Not easier. It's not easier. It just takes it does take less time. And then putting it up, there's more ability to get it in front of more eyes. And YouTube, that long format, the views are just going down and down and down with all this short form content. And so now I'm like, okay, not YouTube is not for everybody. And if you're if you can put your time into that short form content and make more money at it now, that's probably a smarter decision than investing all this time in YouTube. And you might not see that fruit for like you know, five years or something like that, depending, like, we're still trying to get monetized on this podcast. So we understand, like, what a long haul it is yes. to do that. Um, but, you know, you do beautiful work. And I would love to see, you know, more long format content like you. And I know, you know, Dawson DIY, he's a good friend of ours, a friend of the pod. Yeah. Um, and we've interviewed him before. And he has just been bogged down with, you know, I've had these partnerships, I ha but I have been recording everything horizontally. And he's like, and when I have some time, I'm going to sit down and make some videos. I'm like, yes, I love that. Like, don't just not record horizontally because you're like, I don't have the time right now. Like that project is not going anywhere. If you make a video in a year, like when things slow down a little bit or whatever, um, at least you have that content or you could hire out an editor. So it's always nice just to have both. And I think like people would really love seeing you and seeing how you do all your beautiful furniture. So hopefully that works out for you. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to, to dive more into it. It's just so time consuming, especially like having to watch the video back and having it be a 30 minute video and like having to sit there and watch it again and like seeing if you made all the correct edits. But yeah, I and you know, people do watch horizontal long form as well. I know a lot of like very successful creators that do that. So I might work on just going back and trying to upload old videos with the mm -hmm. longer form. And so I do think it's definitely a more permanent form of income in the long run, like a more permanent passive form. Yeah. But you do, I want to talk about YouTube just a little bit because you are one of the rare successes where I have seen your short form content really take off. Um, and you were doing a thing too, and I, I'll have you speak to this a little bit. I know you had videos that were longer than 60 seconds that were still vertical that you put up. Um, and you are monetized on YouTube. You did hit 100,000 subscribers with barely any long format content. So I want to say congratulations to yes, you. That's amazing. Because I have not seen a lot of that. So Thank your you. content obviously is very well. It performs on all the platforms, which I think is super awesome. So I'd love to have you talk about, because I know you're just repurposing content from Instagram mostly for YouTube. So what was that process like starting your YouTube channel? How did you get monetized um, and where do you see the future of your YouTube channel going? Yeah, so I started my YouTube probably 
around when I went viral um, on Instagram. So August 2022, um, I want to say, and I just have been repurposing all of my shorts because um, I figure I'm create. So my whole process with this business is I'm flipping the furniture right now and I'm filming it. Now, what can I do to, like I said before, like squeeze this lemon and make the most lemonade? I am going to try and repurpose every second of content in every way possible. And so that's going to be on repurposing that Instagram video onto YouTube as a YouTube short. That's going to be me making it a little bit longer than 60 seconds and also uploading it as a long form to get those watch hours. It's also going to be um, like me taking the B-roll from me using those products, like say just my sander, slowing that clip down and doing a voiceover with my review and posting that as a YouTube short. And a little bit longer than 60 seconds, so it's uploaded as a long form, so it comes up as a review video, even though it is still horizontal. So it's creating as much as I can with that one project. Because to pump through all of these projects, right, like, that's a lot. And to do that, like, on a daily basis or even a weekly basis is so much. And to be expected to have all of this content to post, like, new content it's impossible and you're going to get burnt out. So that was kind of my, um, I guess, route when I went and started the YouTube. I was just kind of posting everything and anything. Um, some of them didn't have voiceovers. It was just music and satisfying clips. And I started to notice the views go up. I think it was around this past June, I had about 5,000 subscribers and I was so excited. I was, I think I had like maybe a thousand watch hours which was kind of a lot for a lot of my long-form youtube videos only being a, like a minute and three seconds yeah um, yeah and so i had one video go viral and that's what brought me to get monetized i think i had it brought me to eighty thousand subscribers within a month oh wow yeah and for i want to say four million you need four million or 10 million views on youtube now yeah, so I think it's 10 million. In 90 days, right? Yeah, in 90 days. That's wild. Which seemed like an impossible number at the time. And like when I started the YouTube, I was like, I'm never going to get monetized unless I put money and time into the whole long form thing. And I was totally wrong. So when I noticed that video started getting picked up, because I noticed YouTube shorts do get picked up later, like not immediately always. And when I, when I saw that start get picked up, I started reposting more videos that had done well on other platforms. Or I added, That's a good strategy. Yeah. <laughs> That's and, smart. Yeah. Yeah. And so they started getting picked up as well. And then I hit the 10 million views and I was monetized as of this July, this July. You are the first person that I have met in person that yes. has gotten monetized through shorts. So congratulations. It obviously yes. can be done. Congratulations. I think it's so, like, I think YouTube has put such a hard standard on short form creators because that is a lot of views compared to that 4,000 watch hours. Um, it is challenging. So congratulations to you because I don't know anybody else who has gotten in, but there, here is proof that YouTube does yes. know what they're doing, even though I don't agree with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it, even though I'm obviously benefiting from it. I do feel like it's kind of taking away the, I guess, pedestal I had YouTube on of like being monetized as a creator on there. 
because I felt like it was almost, I don't want to say too easy, but I mean, YouTube, when you get monetized, you're like, that means you're like a big long form creator. You're going to make money. And so the the income with shorts, YouTube shorts is not a lot. Yeah, it's not a lot. Yeah, it's <laughs> not like you can get 10 million views and they're like, OK, here's $100. So it's. It, I, I wish there was almost a way to kind of differentiate like who really earned those from long form and who really earned those from short form. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I feel like I have such a high respect for people like you that have done it from the ground up with just long form. I think that is way more impressive. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, those buttons are cool, but it's just like a milestone. And then you're like, okay, what's next? Yeah. Um, So I appreciate you saying that because my bitter Betty heart feels that way sometimes. But when I start feeling that way, I'm like, who cares? You know, like who cares that I had to do this or someone had, I'm like, this is great that people have the opportunity to do this and that you did, you know, I, you've said a couple of times like, oh, I had this thing go viral. Oh, I had this thing go viral. And I can hear those people sitting at home being like, well, she went viral. That's why she has the success, blah, 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 blah. And you can't teach people how to go viral. Yes, you cannot teach people how to go viral. But in order to go viral, you have to commit to putting up content yes. and creating content and not making any money off of it and just putting it up and hoping that it sticks. And that takes a lot of work to put things up, to put your whole life, your whole self, your whole free time into doing this thing and figuring it out on your own without any background in doing it. Um, So I think you're such a testament to that, that just showing up and doing the hard work makes opportunities like going viral possible for people. Can you teach it? No, but you can teach, show up, do the hard work, show up even when you're not getting paid, even when you're tired, even when you don't want to do it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And I watched your... um, you did a video on Instagram tips, and I loved that you, one thing you talked about in it was consistency, because we've talked a lot about that. And I think that is definitely one of the keys to you having these opportunities to go viral is that you were committed to the consistency, to regularly posting content, even when you felt like you didn't know what you were doing, if you didn't know if it was going to be good or the right thing to hit, but you just kept doing it. And I think people miss that when they're trying to be a content creator is a lot of, I see a lot of, they'll post a bunch in like a big spurt and then disappear for a while because it didn't take off right away. And I think there's something about the showing up every day, whether you're seeing the results in that short term or not, Um, So I just say congratulations because I think that is amazing. Well, thank you. Yeah. And you're one of those people, too, that I know. Like, we have a lot of mutual friends. I don't know if you know that. Um, but And we've chatted a a couple times on DM, but this is our first time meeting in person. So I just know and watching that whole YouTube video that you put out was so inspiring. And so we're going to link that definitely down in the description box. You guys need to go watch that whole video of her. Um, I just feel like I know you so deeply now (laughs) and you're just you're just really smart and you're a go getter and you're like, there's nothing that I can't do and I'm going to figure this out. And you've really used, I think, community um, in a way to like network and and have have friendships and have support, but also like what can I glean from this person? 
And you don't run around with that attitude of like, well, I know everything. Come to me and like, I'm going to figure this out on my own. Like you are willing to go to other people and be like, what do you know? I want to learn what you're doing. Um, So can you tell us like some of your favorite like resources you have that you've learned in the industry or talk about, you know, some of those groups that you're a part of that have helped take your business to the next level? Yeah. So I think a big part was just networking with creators, not just in our niche, but outside of our niche. I can't tell you how much I've learned from creators like mommy bloggers, lifestyle, food, just everyone and everything that isn't a DIYer because each niche kind of like does things a certain way and has like their own connections and, and network. And so when you get in on that, you can kind of take what they're doing and apply it to your niche in maybe a different way, but it's it can open a whole bunch of other doors. So I've gotten so many great connections, brand contacts, strategies, um, like when the whole Amazon uh, many chat automation and Amazon list, like I was one of the first people, I, I doubt I was like one of the first people, but I would say first DIYers that kind of started to implement that. And that's because I saw my mommy blogger friends do it. And so I was like, oh my gosh, that's really brilliant. Why don't I list all of the products that I'm using? Because people ask what they are anyway. And so you just kind of like apply it to your own business in your own way. So I think that was a big part of it. Um, I also think like YouTube and TikTok, I've learned a lot um, from just watching videos of what other people do and talking about their guess influencer business and how they do things tiktok people are like very open and conversational about the influencer life versus uh instagram i've noticed and then what else um are there any specific creators like you're like oh this person like really helped me or i like following them a lot just for practicality for anyone who's watching that wants to follow certain people um i mean all of my diy friends are or do you mean like mommy bloggers and like outside of our niche? Well, anybody that's just like inspired you with like, you know, many chat, how to do reviews on Amazon. If there's anybody out there that you're like, oh, this person is doing this stuff so great and you should follow them. So the Amazon review videos, Danny um, from, oh my gosh. Second Shade Sohana. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I actually joined a mastermind group and it was me and about four other girls and we met every other Sunday and we only stopped uh, before the summer had started, but we did it for about a year. And one was um, Elena from Mason Dixon Acres and she's like building her own home with her fiance, like from the ground up. And so she has a lot of um, background in digital products and long form YouTube. Danny has the on-site uh, Amazon reviews. Um, there was Bethany from, oh my gosh, I'm blanking out on her username. It's okay. It's hard to do people's usernames. <laughs> <laughs> and so she makes like all of her income from uh, website ad revenue. And so we all kind of came together and each week we would discuss one of our strengths and put together a, a presentation on it and how we do what we do. And that, that has been so valuable for all of us because we each kind of excel in different things. And exchanging that information, I think, brought all of our 
like businesses to the next level. And so I think that's a whole, a whole other way to, I guess, elevate your business is networking and create those. Because, I mean, you can't really go to school to be an influencer, but you can like yeah. schedule yeah. these things and create these communities to learn from each other. And that can be like a, a school kind of thing. But I do think that was very important um, in how I got to where I am today. Yeah. And again, it's you investing time in something. <laughs> That is not necessarily making you money, but you know you're investing in something that is setting you up to win in the future. Um, How, like, what is a practical step for someone that's wanting to start a network? Are you just reaching out to people in DMs? Are you commenting on people's stuff on Instagram and whatever and kind of like laying the groundwork, flirting with them (laughs) a little bit, and then you drop into their DMs? Like, can you tell us how some of those relationships have formed? Uh, Yeah, so I think a lot of it has been dropping into the dms or um i'll see them maybe post a question and then i answer it and then we just kind of start mutually talking um or dawson has become like a friend that i talk to all the time now and it's because our friend bridget heard that i was working with one brand she goes oh i think dawson might be working with the same brand and so i messaged him and we connected that way and we talk like every day now so I think other, like other, some of my friends have connected me with other creators and like, oh, I think this person is really good at this. You should connect with them and ask them or they might have a contact for this brand. And so I'll message them. And I think it helps that I'm also very open and transparent with them as well. I'm not just going and saying, hey, I need this from you. It's like, hey, I can help you. Can you help me? Like, so nice to meet you. I'm going to engage with your stuff. You're going to engage with mine. Like, I like you as a human, let's be friends kind of thing. So, yeah, I think they're organic. And then, yeah, if that answer. I love that too, because, yeah, no, it does. Because I think people like, I love that mindset of, hey, like, I want to help you and be transparent with everything that I'm doing. And I'm not just coming to ask you for something or have, you know, access to your audience. And, you know, I like you as a person. Yeah. And I want to see you succeed. Um, I think something that we've seen, in this industry, like not just, you know, not talking about our niche, but just talking about influencing and content creation, like comparison is the killer of joy. And it's the killer of your business. Because trust me, there is enough money out here. There are enough brand deals. There are enough eyeballs on this content. Like you don't have to fight for viewers. Your people are going to find you. And you're going to be someone's cup of tea. And you're not going to be someone else's cup of tea. And there is enough room for all of us. And I think that's the lie that we sometimes believe as content creators is like, well, I got to be the best. I have to have the most views. I have to be making the most money. I have to have the biggest brand deals. And it's just, it's so much better. And it's so much more fun to have these authentic relationships, cheer people on when they get deals, um, be able to go to them and be like, hey, I've seen this. Are you seeing this? Or when they come to you, be able to answer a question that you're really good at and know that we all have our strengths and know that we all have our weaknesses. Um, and I think it's something that's very unique about what we do. And I think more people are catching on to that. So I love to hear a younger person again, yes, like kind of leading the way in that and already catching that like so young and so like being so kind of new on your journey, understanding that like makes me very hopeful for the future. Yes, for sure. I was going to say, too, like, I love um, your willingness to be transparent and share your numbers, you know, and especially that long form video where you shared your biggest month 
so people know what's possible. I feel like that isn't always normal. Um, there can sometimes be a sense of gatekeeping where we never really know um, somebody's numbers or what's even possible as a content creator. And I think it just requires, you know, a sort of humility to be number one, willing to learn, but two, to say, here's what I've done and it's possible for you too. Instead of having, we talked about like the scarcity mindset of like, just holding everything so tight and close to your chest and thinking like, oh, if I share this, then maybe it'll go away and there's not enough for everybody to go around. So I think that that is really wise and I love that about you and that you include that in your content. I also really love that you include your dogs in your content, (laughs) just personally, and your sense of humor. And I just kind of want you to talk more about how you bring those elements of like who you are into your content, into what you're doing Because I think those are the things that have helped you create such a strong connection with your audience. So kind of walk us through that process. Was it calculated? Did you not do it in the beginning and then decide later? Like kind of tell us what that process of bringing like your personality and your personal life into your content. Okay, so I I felt when I was posting these videos specifically like furniture flip uh, profit breakdowns. I would post like what I would have paid for the supplies, what I paid for the piece and what I sold it for. And I would get a lot of comments like, oh, she makes all of her money from content creation. And so I thought to myself, well, I do. Like reality is I do. And I'm not going to hide that. That's like a huge part of my brand, my income. I'm not going to walk around like I make six figures from flipping furniture all day by myself. Like that is really hard to do. And so I'm not going to pretend like I do that. And so I made a um, Instagram reel about a furniture flip and content creator breakdown. And I added what I was paid by a specific. I never said what the brand was, but I'm sure you could scroll back and, and figure it out. And so I included what I was paid by Amazon affiliate um, sales after that, regular affiliate, uh, Google or uh, TikTok creativity fund and um, what the brand deal was. And people saw like, oh, my gosh, she walked away with like $4,000, $5,000. And so I felt really good. I was nervous to post it, but afterward, I felt really good and I felt really good to be that transparent and people loved to see that. And so I realized like there's not a lot of information about this on for anybody, for even me to kind of determine rates or like what are these people actually getting paid? Like what is behind all of this? So I felt like that kind of brought my audience closer and I felt closer with my audience as well um, because I felt like I was being really honest and I don't feel good when I'm not honest. Not that I ever really am, but um not that I'm ever really not honest. Yeah, well, yes, we're, 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 you're what you mean. I love the clarification. Oh, I play somebody wants to clip that out and be like, yeah. furniture doctor tells us that she's lying to us all the time. That would be the end of my career. So, yeah, so I just, I felt really good about being transparent and I've continued to do that. And I think that opens the eyes of people that are flipping furniture that they can do this as well 
And I think it just showing them that if I can do it, literally anybody can do it. Like I am nothing special. I am just creating stuff on my iPhone. Like this is not anything crazy. It doesn't have to be crazy. Like you can do it too and you can get these deals. And so I'll put in the caption my tips for each platform and how to make money and all the different ways and, and streams of income as well. So I think that's really helped. Um, I think being authentic has really helped with avoiding burnout. I really enjoy what I do and I can't, I don't know if I wasn't myself, if I tried to be more reserved and like kind of hold back my humor <laughs> and not show my dogs, my coworkers, I would, not, <laughs> I would not be having fun and I would not be enjoying this the way that I am. And the fact that I get to be who I am and share that with, you know, half a million people across platforms is such a blessing and joy and I have so much fun with it every day that I think that really helps and I think my audience can pick up on that and that authenticity and yeah I just feel like they're my best friends and I get to ask them for advice like yesterday I posted about wedding etiquette because I'm planning my wedding (laughs) I saw that I saw it too (laughs) I got thousands and thousands of messages and it was all really good advice and it honestly really helped me so the fact that I can give them advice on furniture and give back through my reels and and answering their questions on uh, via my dms and then they can help me with my questions as well it's just incredible like the internet is amazing and I'm so blessed for this community. Beautiful. Okay. I know what a hard worker you are. You are nonstop. You obviously have many streams of income that you're working on. You're constantly trying to learn new ones and test things out. So I just imagine that you don't have a lot of free time. So I'd love for you to talk about the transition from working full-time for someone else, you get to clock out. Now you have your own brand. Um, how much are you working? Are you shutting it off at all? Do you feel like this is an area you can grow in? I know it's been, you know, very short time that you've been doing this for full-time. So could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. So I work seven days a week, 24 hours a day, oh. <laughs> but I enjoy it. So I may be working three to four times that I was working at my office job, but it doesn't feel like I'm working. Like I'm not getting burnt out like I was at my office job. I'm not dreading going to work. Like I wake up and each week I need the weekdays to be longer. Like I don't want the weekend to come because I need to get (laughs) stuff done. My fiance needs to be at work. He cannot be home. I got to get stuff done. So, but I have so much fun. And, and I think that's a huge part of it. Um, Even though I am what seems like I'm working 24 hours a day, I have I'm able to to take spontaneous trips. Last week I went to Vegas, Monday through through Friday, just because I can. I don't have to ask for PTO. Right. Um, We can do our two-week summer vacation to our cabin. So I don't, I I have that flexibility. And I also plan all of my content a month at least in advance. Um, So that allows me to take any, you know, if I have to go to the doctor or I want to go get lunch with friends or something like that, I'm able to kind of schedule that in. But I I definitely do work like all the time, but I love it. So I mean, yeah. Well, that's great that you're not that is- getting burned out and that you are 
uh, planning ahead. Uh, I need your tips on how to I do that because Maggie has seen how I work and it is a hot mess, <laughs> but it's the way that I work and I get it done. But I don't think it's ever going to change. And my husband just had this conversation. He's just like, why you choose to be like this? I was like, yes, I choose to be like this, but I've been like this my whole life. He's like, and it's a choice. And I'm like, okay, one day I won't be like doing things like right up against deadlines, but that's how my creativity works and it's okay. So I love hearing that you really plan and schedule things out and that you're you're able to take that time off when you want to take it off. And if you need to take it off, that's the beautiful thing about working for yourself. So it's encouraging to see that you can like go and go maybe again, maybe it's that 20 year difference. Do you think Maggie? Yeah. <laughs> She's got a little bit more energy. Than me. Yeah. <laughs> Cause so, I work one day and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need five days off now. <laughs> I want to little, know a little bit about like, are you at the point where you're having to scale your business and bring on help or are you still a one man band doing everything yourself? And if the answer is yes to that, at what point do you decide to bring on people to help you and start a team? So I really struggle with trusting others in the sense of that they will do the job as well as I would do it and trusting them to get it done correctly and in the way that I would want it to be done. And I've always been like that in every single job that I've had. A little bit of a control freak, um, but I just know nobody's ever going to hustle as hard as I do. So I, I really struggled with that. And then I think that kind of like that characteristic of me kind of came out even more when I started this whole thing. And I was like, I really need help. I'm like really overwhelmed and drowning. And I don't want to focus so much on the admin side. Like I want to focus on the fun creativity aspect of it, which is why I started this whole thing. And so... I got to a point and I I did hire a brand, uh, like a talent manager to help with my brand collaborations. I went through a few of those until I found the right fit. Um, now I have an excellent brand manager and or talent manager. And so she helps a lot with like negotiating, taking meetings for me and, and things like that. I did hire a bookkeeper and a CPA. I, I'm with Collective. They're like an incredible... Uh, I guess, like, accounting firm that, like, turned myself into an LLC to an S-Corp. So that has been incredible and, like, extremely helpful with taxes. They do all of the bookkeeping and, <laughs> oh, my God. I Very nice. Very nice. Yes. <laughs> that is so worth it because I had mm -hmm. no idea what I was doing. So I have that. Um, I brought on... Two of, well, my fiance's little brother and his cousin to manage my YouTube and uh, Facebook comments because a big, I think a big part of like keeping your engagement up is replying to those comments and engaging with your audience and answering those questions. So um, they just comment, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I answer all the other ones, but. Um, okay, because I was going to say, well, that's giving up a lot of control because yeah. my husband does my Facebook comments and I actually have to stay off of there because I go in there sometimes and I'm like, why are you saying that? Like, I would never <laughs> say that. But he was like, you told me I could have Facebook. So sometimes he just says, I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> but they're mostly just going in there and saying thank you and getting the response. And if there's a question, you're still going in there and doing those. Yep, they're only allowed to say different variations of thank you. Oh my gosh, I need to put Michael under that caveat there. Yeah. 
So they they have rules, but it's been very helpful. And so once they, I mean, it's been a few months, so now they're starting to like help me with Amazon collages and LTK collages. So I'm trying to get more into that. So yeah, so I'm kind of like starting this little trust and get more and more, but it's a lot to teach somebody your brand and to trust them to come on. And it's such an, like a niche thing that it's like, like I need help with blog posts, but I don't know anybody that knows the information that I do that would want to write a blog post for me. If they know this information, they're probably already a content creator and mm-hmm. a DIYer or, you know, they have their own business. So yeah, it's tough. It's definitely tough. It is tough. And the the way we're doing that is like she's writing blog posts off of my YouTube videos. So the information is all there. Yeah. And then she's taking like, so that's a part where YouTube helps me make yes. blog posts easier. But I mean, I hear what you're saying because I so desperately need to hire an editor, but it is just hard because they put things out of order. I know there's a perfect match out there, but I just can't take the time to find them right now. So I understand the struggle in that because it's like you put the this before the sanding or you put this after and you forgot to say that I wiped off here. So it's like trying to find an editor to edit what we do is kind of challenging because it doesn't always go in order or make sense or they put it wrong. So yeah, but it's definitely something I need to unload. So you're encouraging me there. Yeah, if you find somebody, let me know because I need one too. <laughs> and all right, all of us would be like, "No, you can't have my editor," and we'd all be like, "He knows how to flip furniture. She knows how to flip furniture. You cannot have my editor." We would definitely gatekeep that one. I can see that one. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Oh my gosh. Okay, what else? Well, you know what? Um, I there's so much just like industry information that you could give us. We could keep talking for hours and hours about it. But I want to go all the way back to the beginning about your About Me video and why do you think that took off? What do you think? What was in there that you thought resonated with people? I think my story is just relatable. And I think that's honestly a key to how to get and maintain an audience and to grow an audience is to be relatable because how many people have debt? Like, I think it's some crazy number like of Americans have debt, especially healthcare debt. And to be someone that has insurance and to still come out with $10,000 and to need a way to pay it off. I mean, I think that is just so relatable. And I think a lot of people just resonated with that and wanted to see how I did it and followed me for that reason. So, and also it's fun to watch like the transformations from the start to the finish. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. has Facebook marketplace. Everybody has access to I mean, most people have access to furniture. You can go to a thrift store and and stuff like that. So I think it's just a very relatable story that and if I can do it, anybody can. So, yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel, too. That's always that's always my mantra. If I can if I can do this and people watch me, so could you. And there's so many other ways to I know tons of people that are just going to the thrift store and reselling like on Etsy and Marketplace and they're not making over what they're just searching for things. That's what they're getting paid for is going and finding those diamonds in the rough that are a cheap price and making profit off of it like it's possible. Um, And I love like if you could just talk a little bit more about what made you be like, okay, I have this $10,000 bill. This is totally unfair. This sucks. Um, But what made you be like, I'm going to get this paid off instead of I'm going to like ask somebody for help. Like I'm going to ask my parents. I'm going to ask maybe my boyfriend for help. 
Um, I'm going to like just sit here and pout and hope the government helps me one day. What was inside of you that was like, no, this is my debt, even though it's unfair and I'm going to get it taken care of. What was it inside of you that made you feel that way? Probably pride. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like a very, I'm a very independent person. I've always been that way. Um, We had at the time, we had moved from Miami to the middle of nowhere, Texas. It was really hard for me to find a job. And then once I found it, I had only been working for about like three or four months. And then I got this bill. So by the time that we had moved my and I got a job, my savings were drained. They were never a lot because I was only out of grad school for one year before that. Um, so I was just, I have no money. This is so unfair. Like, why is healthcare $10,000? But I'm in so much pain and I need it done. I'm like, I'm 26. I don't live at home anymore. I'm not going to ask my boyfriend who's covering the mortgage right now and everything else to cover this like it's my problem I have to be an adult like what am I gonna do and so I just made it happen and honestly it just like lit a fire underneath me and I'm like I'm gonna get it done and I did and very grateful for it uh weirdly enough and it's crazy how it opened this door for me and it's really funny when I go to the dentist and they're like a few of the ladies follow me and they're like, I saw your newest Instagram video. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. (laughs) It's like, I used to hate you guys here, but now like, I'm actually really grateful. Can you, isn't it wild to be like, you can sit here and be like, I'm grateful for $10,000 worth of debt. And look at how like you made $37,000 last month and you're on track to make about the same this month. Like, that's wild. And I think so many people need to hear that because it's possible. If Lily can do it, like, it can happen to you. Can we guarantee that it's going to happen? Absolutely not. But if you have debt sitting in your account right now, just try to tackle it in any way that you can. And not that it's necessarily going to turn into content creation and making money, but like, don't always look at those things as like, well, my life sucks. This is terrible. This is unfair. Like, take a step forward because look at what one step forward did for Lily. Like, I'm getting, I'm getting chill bumps right yeah, now. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> such an incredible story. And you're right. I think that's why it resonated with people. And I think you letting people into fully who you are as an influencer is the reason that you continue to make money. I think there's probably some people out there that are like, ah, I'm not going to use her links because look at how much money she's making. But that's okay too. That's okay too. Like, I think it's better to be honestly and authentically who you are for the longevity of this for you. And I think it's an inspiration to people in your audience. So absolutely. I do only pay myself $3,000 a month. So I still technically only make $39,000 a year and that's all I give myself to live. So I'm not out here balling. It's all in a business bank account to maybe one day buy an Airbnb, but... I still keep that is a beautiful point as well. And uh, what was I going to say? I do want to say I I recognize my privilege in this whole um, opportunity. Like I don't have kids. I do have a garage to work out of. Um, I did have, you know, a few hundred dollars to buy supplies and get started. I do have a car to go pick up the furniture. So I do want to recognize that privilege. And I do also want to acknowledge that it doesn't have to be furniture like you said there are other creators out there that just or or people that just go and buy things from a thrift store and flip it so there are other ways and i don't want my story to be 
just furniture, but I want people to know that there's so many other ways. In in college, I was flipping old Lululemon um, that I would buy or wear and then flip it on Poshmark. I did Pokemon cards on eBay for <laughs> a few years too. That is, I can't believe I just said that out loud, but um, there's just ways to do it and ways to make money. And so flipping can be a multitude of things. Yeah. Or even just showing people that a side hustle can help you pay off debt. Maybe it's just encouraging people who are working a full-time job and have debt that, hey, there's so many things you can do and take care of that. You know, it doesn't, like you said, always have to result in content creation, but I think the message is that you can do it. Like it is possible um, for somebody who's staring down a seemingly impossible number in their, you know, done in the negative that they're with some creativity and some hard work like you can get it taken care of it doesn't have to loom over your head so I love that I think you've done such a good job of creating an engaged community of people through your content and uh yeah I don't know it's encouraging me that's encouraging me for sure. You're de- you're definitely giving me the the energy to keep just chugging along, yeah. and keep doing what I can, and keep le- learning and growing. And it just it's so amazing to like talk to a young person like you. You remind me a lot of Dawson, so I can see why you've been <laughs> yeah. We were just like so impressed with him, and just the attitude of like I'm gonna go do this. I'm not gonna wait for somebody to hand something to me. And I do love that you brought up like your your place of privilege. That's something that I've always shared with people. Like I had a husband who was providing for me so I could go tinker around in the garage, like so I could go do those things. I had the time and the space to do it and he encouraged me. And I know not everybody has that. Um, So that is a part of our story, but I still believe like anybody, like if I can do it, anybody can do it. So don't let like not having a place of privilege hold you back from just taking that one step forward and seeing where it goes. So there it is. And I, I love that we're all like roses and happy and fun, <laughs> but have there been hard moments? Have you had negative feedback? How, and like, how did you move through those types of things because I know a lot of times when you get big quickly haters come out of the woodwork and that can be really hard for some people has that happened for you was it hard like or has it really been this I saw I saw a lot of the comments when she built a an investment house for her son John Tucker Tucker John Tucker John or John Tucker Tucker Yeah, so um, I might have like an unconventional approach to all of that that I don't think many people will agree with, but I go right back at them. And Katie Scott does that. I love her. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I cannot be out trolled. Like I was born to be a troll. So like you want to, oh my gosh, I like that. Like there was one comment on one of my posts and I had commented something very sarcastic back and I think it got 25,000 likes, my comment. Oh, that wow, funny. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's like definitely a part of my page too. Like if you just want like entertainment and you don't want to listen to my voice or might watch my videos, just like read the comments. It's a lot of fun. Um, I do not take anything personally, really. I think it's really hard to get under my skin because why am I going to get offended by people that are not in my shoes, that don't know what they're talking about, 
that I literally do this for a living now. So I, I think I know what I'm doing in some aspects. And like, they come out like, oh, you should have, you should have fixed that with ramen noodles, not what epoxy. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so like, it's just stuff like that. You just can't take it seriously. And like, like, I don't know, I, I'm going to spend my energy on other things like my work. Um, and so I just have fun with it. Maybe too much fun sometimes, but it's just life is too short. Don't waste your energy. Don't get worked up over it. It's not that serious. I love that. I love I that approach. Very wise. That's very <laughs> wise. And I love it's very different from mine. Mine is just like I can't engage with that stuff. And I don't just because I'm a uber sensitive person and my mind knows like that it doesn't matter. And <laughs> And I do pretty well, but when I go actually and engage, it just gets worse and worse. So I'm like, nope, I just leave those alone. I don't touch them. <laughs> and that's just been my philosophy. But maybe you'll enc encourage me, inspire me, along with my husband, because my husband is very similar to you. Yes. So maybe <laughs> I'm going to channel my inner Michael and my inner Lily on a couple next year and see how it goes. You know what? Why not try something new? So we'll see. And you know what is really funny is the first piece of content I saw of yours was the one of you, and I think the the caption was building an, an investment property for my eight-year-old. And I was like, what? She's <laughs> an eight-year-old. I clicked on it and I laughed so hard that it was for your adorable dog. <laughs> but that was, I just thought that was such a genius piece of content. <laughs> so no wonder, you know, you got a lot of comments on it and engagement yeah. because it definitely made me go, oh, what? I didn't know she had a kid. Oh, it's her dog. <laughs> and I thought it was so good. I had fun with that. I mean, if you do want to get under my skin, tell me my dog is not my child. Because people were commenting that and I'm like, that hurts. Like people, oh, that people will comment that. that. Yes. I yeah. Will. Oh, I mean, not a human son, but he's like a baby. They're all babies. <laughs> <laughs> we have, oh, we lost our baby. He's yeah. down here. Murphy was in here hanging out with us, but he's gone. Um, I can't believe we've made it through this whole interview. We have four dogs between the two of us, and none of them have barked. So good job, little babies. <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> well, we could keep talking to you forever, and I think yes. that we will probably ask you to come back and dive a little deeper into some of these strategies that you're doing. But I just so appreciate you being here and just yes. being so honest and open. I think your story is so inspiring. Um, so thank you for just like all the questions that you've answered. And we definitely want to have you back. If we missed anything, guys, let us know down in the comments if you yes. have any questions for Lily. But with having her here, we want to transition into our favorite things segment. Yes. Because one of our favorite things to do is share things that we're loving with each other and our audience. And I'm sure that you have something really great that you want to share with us and that I'm probably going to start using because you're so smart. So we're going to let you kick it off with your favorite thing that you're loving right now that you want to share with the Cypress Room. Okay. Rent the runway. <gasps> we love it. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm like so about it. My order just came in. So when you texted me, I was like, oh my gosh, my sweater is rent the runway. I love okay, it. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So I, I love them. So tell people what Rent the Runway is in case they don't know. So it's a subscription where you can get high-end or just clothing. Um, and you, depending upon what membership you have, you get five items. You can select them and then you can ship it back and then select another five items. So you get 10 items a month 
And you can get sweaters, accessories, jeans, jackets, shirts, blouses. I specifically do it a lot for weddings. And like we're going to Wisconsin for the holidays. So I got this sweater. I got some jeans. And yeah, you get- probably don't have a lot of sweaters living in Texas, do you? And then you're headed to Wisconsin. You're like, what do I wear? Yeah, really like perfect. Sweater, actually. Yeah. yeah, I have used it for weddings. I haven't been to weddings in a long time. I was thinking about when's the last time I used Red of the Runway. And I'm not going to say because it's a very long time ago. Because I'm a little older and none of my friends are getting married anymore. But when they were, I think I rented five different dresses in a summer. And it saved me so much money. And I was wearing like designer dresses that were beautiful. Yeah. And I remember always getting compliments on them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that love. I love Red the Runway. So you're just bringing this back. And now thinking about like, oh, all the filming that we're doing, it would be nice to have different pieces to wear and then just send them back. Genius. Yeah. Yeah. Super sustainable and also very sustainable. You can keep them now if you if you want. Like Okay. Yeah. Like I could buy this if I wanted to and just not send it back, which I've I've done. Okay. Now wait, are you like a rent the runway partner? Do you have a code for us or do you just love it? I do as of like last week. But I've Look been at a you, member. hustler. I've been a member forever. They finally like accepted and I answered my email. They're like, okay, here's your code. And it's R-T-R-Lily, L-I-L-L-Y-S. Okay, perfect. Well, we're going to put that in the description box and maybe you have encouraged me to run it up again. Yeah. yeah, revisit. That'll be nice. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Are you going to go first? Oh my gosh. Well, yes, I'm going to go. I was going back and forth between two things, and I'm just going to go with the really weird one that I've recently discovered from an Amazon Black Friday sale, and all my friends got it, so I got it. And it is a uh, serum. It's an essence. It's Korean skincare, and it's actually the snail mucin, which is actually snail secretion. Um, It's a Korean product. I've been using it for like two weeks now, and I really, really like it. I am, again, f- over 40, so it's a serum. It's an anti-aging, um, very moisturizing. I have, I don't have dry skin like you, so it might not work for you, but if you have combination to normal to oily, it is a good product. Um, I've been using it in tandem with my Vichy 89, which I really like as well. So I'll link both of those. If you're looking for a serum just to boost your skin, the moisture, do a little anti-aging, I know it sounds disgusting, you guys, to put snail mucin on your face. But, you know, the Korean women have been doing it for a long time and they have beautiful skin. So, yeah, that is my that is my go to right now. <laughs> my snail mucin that I've been putting on my face. My item is actually the pants I'm wearing. And these are called the Halara high-waisted trouser pant. And they were I actually bought them off TikTok shop. It was kind of an experiment <laughs> to see if it's a scam or not. For one of our podcasts, because we were so curious if TikTok shop was a scam or not. And so I bought these pair of pants just to test it out. It is not a scam. And you got a really good deal on them? And I got a really good deal because, you know, TikTok is offering all these coupons. But I absolutely love them. They're the first pair of trouser pants that weren't too long for me. They don't wrinkle and they feel like pajama pants. And I love them. Awesome. I feel like we need to do a disclaimer then because... If you were my height, I don't think they, they would do look come in long and regular and oh, short. But did you reg- order short or regular? Regular. Oh, okay. Regular so I would definitely, I would definitely five four. So you yeah. need long for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I was pleasantly surprised to know that TikTok shop, in this case, was not a scam. So, so I love these pants, and you don't—they're available 
other places than TikTok shop. But that's how I got mine. Oh, that perfect. Well, purchase that. I think that's it for our first remote interview. We are praying that this worked, that it's all going to upload to the cloud. And hopefully you're watching this on our YouTube channel right now. If you want to learn more about Lily, we will have all her information down in the description box. In case you're not following her, you need to be following her to see all the amazing stuff she does and learn from her as a content creator. Obviously, she's very smart, up and comer, cannot wait to see where you go um, in this next year in 2024. And we just want to thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you so much. All right. So that's a wrap on our first interview. Um, Thank you guys for being here. And we will see you next time in the Cypress Room. Thank you.